Rosen is the Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> hey, this is Keith Paul Jason, and you are listening to the Fatherhood Rocks podcast. Now, whether this is the first installment that you've checked out or you've been here from the beginning, I want to say thank you for taking the time to give it a listen. Now, if this is your first time, just know that this podcast exists to show the world just how much fatherhood rocks. And what we will be doing today is displaying the live conversation that we had at Cultivate in Ypsilanti, Michigan yesterday with Gregory Peoples. I will introduce Greg during the live interview, but trust me when I say you're in for a real treat with what he's about to share. All right, so on August 28th, 1999, I moved to Ypsilanti, Michigan to attend Eastern Michigan University. And I had not learned very much about EMU, had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was born and raised in Illinois, and my family had moved to Michigan about a year before that. But I'll tell you what, uh, it was a great six years for my education there at undergrad and then getting my master's degree. And along the way, I met somebody who became like my campus father. And I'm, of course, talking about Gregory Peoples, who is here with me on the podcast today. He has helped me not only through the course of my education, but in learning how to be a father, learning how to be a husband, and it is an absolute honor to talk with Greg Peoples on the Fatherhood Rocks podcast this morning. So Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Keith. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. All right, so Greg, can you start off by introducing your family and telling us a little bit about that background? Okay, um, I am currently married to my wife of 39 years, Alice. Uh, we have four adult children. Our oldest daughter is Elena Fair, she's 38. Our middle daughter is um, Ashley, she's 33. Our youngest daughter is Angela, who's 32, and our son, Matthew, is 23. Can you talk to us about uh, some of the greatest joys that you've had as a father? Well, I think being a father, Keith, is one of the, is in fact the best job I've ever had. Um, and anybody who's fortunate enough to be a dad uh, will really enjoy that experience. Um, my dad told me a long time ago that anybody can make a baby, but it takes a man to be a father to his child. And uh, so I've, I've, I've taken that to heart, and uh, for the last 40 years, I've, I've tried to do my best in raising my, my four children, my three daughters, and my son. Now, you've, you've talked a little bit about your father's words of wisdom for you. I'm wondering if you can share about how either he or maybe some other individuals have helped shape your approach to fatherhood. That's a great question, Keith. My, um, I was very fortunate. Um, I grew up in a small town. Actually, I grew up in a town very similar to Ypsilanti, Michigan. I grew up in Kent, Ohio, where Kent State University is. And I was very fortunate because I, like many of the young black families in Kent, I had a mother and a father in my home. But not only did I have um, a father in my home, I had um, three uncles who lived very, very close to us. And my, my, my father had some very, very um, great friends who were like fathers to me. Um, I, you know, I learned how to be um, a dad. I learned how to, to be a good husband from my, my uncles who uh, were outstanding role models to me. Um, my, my dad, there were people in the community who were my dad's friends who, who looked out for me and provided me with words of wisdom all the time. I, I tell people all the time, when I, uh, when I went away to college and I brought, whenever I brought, and I wasn't that many, but whenever I brought a, wo <laughs> a, a woman home, 
in addition to meeting my, my, my immediate family, my mom and my dad and my uncles and aunts, um, there were a couple of members in the community that I had to introduce them to as well because they were so influential in my life that they felt that they had a say in, 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 in meeting the approval of, of uh, the woman I was dating. So, Well, I won't be the judge, but it certainly seems like they helped you make a great choice. <laughs> they did. They did. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, speaking of great choices, uh, one of the things that I've always been very intrigued by in your story with fatherhood is the fact that you adopted Matthew, mm -hmm. and that was after you had already had children prior to that. So can you walk me through what led to that decision? Sure. Um, we had, uh, as you said, we had three biological daughters. Our Oldest daughter at that time was, I believe, 15. Our middle daughter was 12, and then our youngest one was 11. And um, so also at that time, we had moved my mother from Ohio to Michigan to live in the same community we lived. She didn't live with us, but she lived about a quarter mile from us. And um, I was obviously very close to my mom. I'm the fourth of five children. But um, I was very close to my mom, and so it, it, it took some time for my wife to understand the relationship between a son and his mother, my mother and, and, and me. And so, um, for example, she didn't understand why, even though my mother lived a quarter mile from us, I usually would stop by and just say hey to her on the way home from work every day. So one day I had a conversation with her, and I said, you know, honey, I said, you know, I think we need to consider adopting a son because you need to understand the relationships between mothers and sons and fathers and daughters and and ironically she said after we had several discussions about that she said you know what if the lord wants us to adopt a baby boy he'll lay one on our doorsteps so that basically that was okay that ended the conversation um but also so we we were fortunate we um built a house um on the south side of ipsy um and um Shortly after that, I happened to be on the um, Hope Clinic board at that time, and um, we were at a retreat, and one of the women were giving a report on some of the activities from one of the agencies they had there, and the, the woman was talking about how it was a, they, they had a home for abused and abandoned children, and she said that she was um, sad because they had two children who had been with them for 15 months who were being about to be adopted, and she said, well, we're excited because we're going to get a newborn from Detroit who had been abandoned. So after she finished her conversation, um, she came and she sat next to me. And I said to her, tell me a little bit about um, this newborn. And so she told me about he had uh, been born in Detroit. He was abandoned. Um, he was, um, his mother abandoned him at birth. Um, and so he had been placed in a foster care agency out here in, in Washington County. And um, so it's, it's kind of a long story, Keith, but anyhow, so we... Um, We've got some time. It's okay. So I, so I said to her, I said, well, you know, my wife and I might be willing to befriend this little boy until you can find somebody to adopt him. And, you know, it was, it was really, it was a really interesting story because shortly after that, my wife and I began to visit the baby and um, basically it was, it was love at first sight, you know, we... we uh, he happened to be placed in a home not too far from where we were going to church. Um, and we, we just felt that we were led by, um, by uh, the Lord to, 
to consider adopting this young boy. Plus, there was another family um, who were very good friends of ours who were in a very similar situation to us. They had three biological daughters, and they also adopted a little boy. And so um, that was encouraging for me and my wife. And the other part of that was we, both my wife and I were working. We had very good jobs. We were uh, very stable. And in the black community, there is such a need for black families to adopt black children. And we just felt that um, this was the right thing to do. So we became foster parents, and then we eventually adop adopted Matthew. The other thing that's really interesting is um, at that time, and I'm not, I, I don't know if, this, if this, the statistics, statistics have changed, but for a young black male, a dark-skinned black male, if they weren't adopted out of the system by the time they were 18 months old, their chances of being remaining in the system were tremendously great, as opposed to those who were um, fair-skinned or light-skinned and, 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 and had a better chance of being out, adopted out of the system. So we, we went through the process of becoming foster parents, and after 18 months, um, we were able to adopt him. Now, what was it like, I don't want to use the term integrating because that sounds so business-like, but what was it like bringing Matthew into the family in those early years? So um, it was really interesting because when we, when we first considered adopting, um, and we told our friends and family that we were considering adopting, I was appalled at the reaction that people gave. I mean, like most people said, how, how, why would you consider adopting? You're almost out of the woods now. You've got three kids or almost teenagers. Why would you consider going back in and getting a newborn to bring, you know? And that was one reaction. And I mean, like some of our friends said, you know, you're, you're, you're crazy. I mean, you know, and even my dad said, you know, Greg, why would you bring um, a, 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 boy, a boy who you know nothing about in over your daughters, you know? And so, you know, that, that caused a little pause for a while. But we, again, we felt led to, to pursue the adoption. And um, so we, we, we went forward, we adopted him, and he became very much integrated into our family. Um, the, girls, uh, the girls loved him, you know, it, 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 uh, like I said, love at first sight. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Now, if you had to offer any advice for folks who are thinking about adopting a child, what might you offer? I would say you should, I would, I would definitely say consider adopting. Okay. Particularly, I, I would say for anybody, uh, any family, but particularly black families, they should consider adopting. Particularly black, black families who are in a situation where they can give back to the community. Um, like I said, in, in our particular situation, both my wife and I had very, very good jobs. Um, uh, our kids were very healthy, you know, um, we were very, I, I, I'd say we were, we were prosperous. I mean, we weren't, you know. You're doing all right for yourself. We're, Absolutely. We're doing, yeah, we're doing okay. And so, so our, my thing was like, you know, you know, part of, part, I, I think I'm a pretty spiritual person and a religious person, but I, I think that what better way to give back to, um, uh, to some, some young person than to have them, adop to adopt them. You know, again, I was very fortunate when I grew up, I had, I had, wonderful black male role models. And, and so for me, I thought it was very important to be able to give back to a young man. And I, I mean, I, I mean I, I, again, I think fatherhood is a tremendous experience. It's a great job. It's a lot of work. But if you're going to invest in it. And so I just, we just figured that was the way to go. 
Okay. Now, you mentioned in your intro that your children are now, your oldest children are now in their 30s. And so, if I'm not mistaken, I believe when I actually called you to, to ask if you wanted to interview on the podcast, you were in, was it D.C.? Yeah. So you were in D.C. welcoming a grandchild into the world. Yeah. So can you tell us about your grandchildren and what it's like transitioning from being father to being grandfather? Okay. Um, so we, we actually have five, we had five grandchildren. Um, our, we lost two, we had lost twins about six years ago. They were stillborn. Um, but we now have um, a, five, a five-year-old granddaughter, Ava, Nicole Fair, uh, and then we, in November, we had a grandson, um, Robbie Fair, and then just two, last week, uh, my youngest daughter, Angela, gave birth to um, Noir Jean-Marie Bennett in D.C. So how was that transition going from, from dad to grandfather? Well, it's a it's a wonderful transition. You know, you, you know, once you're a father, you never give up. You know, you, you it, it's like a that's a lifetime thing, and so you really don't transition. Um, but I can tell you, I'm looking forward to uh, having a very very good relationship with my grandchildren. Again, um, I, I I was very fortunate in my upbringing because in a lot of black families, you know, you have um, children that 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 are that are. are both ends of the spectrum. I mean, you have, like, you know, it's not uncommon for, uh, for you to have an aunt or an uncle who's your age or something like that. And so, part of part of the experience I had growing up is I had um, older brothers who, who had children who were were my age, uh, and so consequently, my parents, the the role it was really kind of fluent. I mean, you know, you didn't. Yes, she was. You, they were grandma, grandma Alice, and, and granddad. But they were also, um, they were also, you know, pretty close to the kids. Um, and I hope to have that same type of relationship with, with my, my grandchildren. Um, now, are you the type of grandfather who does all the things that mom and dad don't want? Oh, absolutely. Done at home and oh, then sends them home. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, absolutely. So, so you send the, them home with the sugar rush. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's so. That's here's sarcasm. The, so here's here's the, no here's the thing. So, <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's it's grandparents. That's the role of a grandparent. You know, okay. a grandparent is to spoil the children and then send them back home. So so it's not uncommon for my daughter to say, um, "Are you the same man that raised me and told me I couldn't do?" <laughs> I said, "Yes, I am." So. But it, but it's a wonderful experience, and you you know you do it in moderation, everything in moderation. But but it's it's a wonderful feeling to be a granddad. Now the other thing that I've always always appreciated about you is that you've never been hesitant to play a father role for people who aren't adopted by you or a part of your family. Um, I know that you have certainly taken me under your wing over the years, and not just myself, but several other young men uh, at Eastern Michigan University, and I think you were at was it. Was it Kent or was it Akron for a while? Kent. So Kent. So Kent, and now in your role at U of M Dearborn, um, what's that been like? Kind of being the the father figure role and watching people who aren't necessarily your kids, but you know you're playing a big role in their development. Well, you know, Keith, that's that's. Uh, I hope I've made a positive in the lives of many many individuals, many young young men in their lives. Um, I'll, I'll start off by saying. My favorite song is a song that was written by B.B. Uh, Wine, and I think it is 
but it was made popular by Yolanda Adams, and the song is called What About the Children? And it talks about, you know, um, you know, we can't turn our back on our children. Yeah. We can't turn away from our children because if we don't, where would we be today? And, and uh, so, you know, I, I had a tremendous experience um, being at the Dean of Students and also the Ombudsman at East Michigan University. And it's really rewarding because I, I, I look at um, some of the guys who are now fathers and I hope that I have had some influence on their lives. For example, um, I was on Facebook with um, Eric Simon. I don't know if you remember Eric Simon. Of course, E. Simon, definitely. Yeah, e. Simon, has a, he has a daughter. And then one time, he was, um, his wife had gone out of town. And so he, he Facebooked something about, my wife is out of town, and I expected to do my daughter's hair. And I, <laughs> I wrote back and I said, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I said, not only, I said, you only have one. I said, I had three to get ready for a 7.30 meeting, and I got it done, so absolutely you, you expected that. I look at Corey Anderson and how his relationship with his daughter, Mia, I mean, like, uh, it, you know, it's just, and it, it really just warms my heart because, Jake, those same guys would give me a hard time <laughs> about my daughters when, because my daughters are about their age. And yeah. so, um, you know, they, they come to see Dean Peoples, and, you know, either I'd have one of my daughters there, and you're like, oh, at the dean, okay, right. <laughs> so, so now I know that they have their shotguns with them as well. So. <laughs> Absolutely, I can only imagine. Two great guys, by the way, E. Simon and Corey Anderson, uh, who are both doing amazing things with their life and their careers, uh, and people who I knew when I was at Eastern Michigan University as well. Uh, in closing, I want to ask if maybe you were to offer up just some advice for dads uh, in your parting comments. Well, you know, being a father is a partnership, you know, hopefully with, with the spouse. And, you know, um, I, I encourage young dads to, um, you know, to be, to be just that, be a partner, you know, like help with, you know, help. I mean, I, mean, I shouldn't have to say this, but I mean, like, you know, I would expect them to, to help with the changing of the diapers, the feeding, the, you know, like I remember when, when, uh, when my kids were very, very young, it was not very popular for dads to take their kids to the pediatrician. Um, my wife was working, and so one of us had to take the kids to the pediatrician. And so if she couldn't do it, I had to do it. So, I mean, I, and, and I encourage them to do that because you learn so much, and that's how you develop um, bonds with your children. Um, and, you know, um, again, and, and it's a great opportunity. I, I did want to share one story with you. Um, Let's hear it. So, you know, as you, as you develop your relationship with the children going on, you know, you never know the influence you have on them. So um, a couple weeks ago, I was um, in a we were having dinner, and my daughter, my, my middle daughter, Ashley, who's in med school, was there. And um, so I don't know exactly what we had, but whatever we had, she had cut all her food up before she put, like, I must have, like, waffles them before she put the syrup on it. And so she laughed, and she, I said, what are you laughing at? She said, well, because my friends asked me, why do you always cut your um, food up before you, know, you put your syrup on it? And she said, I thought about it, and I thought, she said, it's because when we were kids, my dad, and we had three, um, we, had, we had a five-year-old, well, they were like 17 months apart. So basically, while my wife was doing some, I had to cut the food up so, that, so they could eat and we could eat at the same time. So the, the, the bottom line is she did that because she remembers her dad cutting up her whole plate 
before we, before she ate. So those are the kind of influence that you have on your children, and, and the, those are the kind of things that you remember. So, yeah, being present, being active, being involved is so important because, as you said, you never really know the impact that you will leave right. and how you were helping to shape the life and the legacy of the people's family and whoever you are as a father as well. So, Mr. Peoples, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this morning. So there you have it, my conversation with Greg Peoples live at Cultivate. He dropped so many nuggets on us over the course of that interview. Everything from the importance of having a strong support system coming up and providing a strong support system as a father. It really makes me think about the people who I'm surrounding my kids with while they're growing up as well. And then also talking about his experience with adopting Matthew, which is something that my wife and I have actually considered and are still thinking about, although we haven't come to a conclusion on that one. But after hearing Mr. Peoples talk about it, I can tell you it's, it's gonna be hard to say no in the long run. Uh, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Just want to remind everybody that you can check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, Stitcher, all by searching Fatherhood Rocks with Keith Paul Jason. You can also go to the website, which is KeithPaulJason.com slash Fatherhood Rocks and catch all of the podcasts right there. So, like I always say, please like, subscribe, share, rate the podcast. Go out and tell five million of your closest friends about the podcast. And always remember that we do this because fatherhood rocks.